Chess Podcast, sponsored by Aim Chess. Welcome back to the new and improved 64, a chess podcast. I'm David. I'm coming at you live from New York. And today I am joined by my biggest guest yet. She is a grandmaster. She is uh, a Twitch streamer. Recently, she's done commentary for FIDE for the Women's World Cup. I'm very pleased to welcome Dina Bialankaya uh, from St. Petersburg. How's it going? It's great. It's great. How are you, David? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm really excited and uh, I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. So um, first of all, uh, I think this is a very important topic for, for my listeners, but um, why is MVL so bad at table tennis? In fact, he's he's not that bad. He actually managed to beat me. He started losing at first. We had a score something like three to one for me, then four two, and then somehow he he I don't know maybe he discovered my uh, my weaknesses or somehow he managed to strike back and he eventually made it to four four and then by the games we finished as uh, five for for him in his favor. So. Um, it's uh, it's funny because like obviously when I was uh, posting the the content, especially uh, the the very first one on Instagram, I I, I put the the episodes of the beginning, yeah, where where he uh, was uh, um, losing a lot, but uh, he's actually not that bad at all. So you you were in uh, you were in Sochi for the World Cup. Uh, in the World Cup, both the uh, women's section and the open section were uh, they were both in Sochi. So we had like 300 summit people in in uh, in southern Russia. And uh, you did some collaborations with uh, Eric Rosen. Uh, I think I saw, uh, was it Baskar and Ariban? Yeah, that's correct. Um, and some others. So what was that experience like for you to kind of meet these other, uh, you know, chess influencers and also some some very strong players and like like mvl and kind of uh you know just you know messing around with them and having you know making some content yeah that was amazing we also um managed to spend some time with uh shrina who was there as um indian national coach i think uh, and uh he's also a um, a chess influencer if you can say so um he also has uh he's very active in uh his uh, media he has his youtube channel and um uh we also yeah we also managed to spend some time with uh akanemsko uh chiu from wungo master from canada so yeah there was also maria photo chess and um yeah a lot of uh, a lot of big names and it was uh unique opportunity to be able to meet all of them in person uh, there was also Chelsea February from hashtag chess uh, from South Africa managed to come to to Russia to the cold Russia it's funny yeah uh, saying cold because right now in South Africa it is actually winter and uh, in Sochi it is like plus 30 every day and uh shout out uh to Jesse February who is recently on the podcast um before we continue, I just would like to thank uh, the sponsor of the podcast, Aim Chess. You can use my code David30 to get 30% off of your first month with Aim Chess. And uh, I just want to remind all our listeners that uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, go to 64 Podcast on Patreon and uh, check out the subscription tiers. Uh, if you want to ask questions on the show, check that out on Patreon and see how you could do that. 
Um, let's start by talking about uh, the World Cup while we're on this subject. Um, because, first of all, you did commentary, official commentary for FIDE, I think, in Russian? No, it was actually in English. Uh, yes, ah. uh, we did official commentary uh, for FIDE Women's World Cup uh, together with Grandmaster Alexander Shimanov. And that was uh, for, yeah, that was for women. And uh, of, uh, your, your, your compatriot, uh, Alexandra Kostenyuk, uh, won basically one of the most dominant performances uh, the chess world has uh, seen in a very long time, not losing a single match. Uh, and not also, of course, but also not a single match going even into tie breaks, just uh, convincing, uh, just convincing wins and uh, convincing scores against uh, some of the best uh, female players in the world. Um, where you you have friendships with some of the the Russian players, um, and I mean I guess other players as well. And what is that like when you go from the like the commentary booth um, to someone who you maybe are more friendly with? Yes, I was uh, actually extremely excited about Alexandra's performance uh, overall. Like. Uh, even before she she got to the finals, I was following her games and I was rooting for her. And uh, she's a great example uh, of how um, a, a talented person, multi-talented person can combine uh, many different activities and have passion for many different things. And at the same time, uh, perform uh, on a very high level and achieve uh, all the goals like here, um, proving the world again that uh, she's one of the strongest. And um, as you said, such an amazing performance of without any tie breaks, indeed is very special. It also second time she won, she won the, the knockout event. She's the only Russian player to win uh, it twice. And um, yeah, now this was actually the first year when um, it started to be called this knockout tournament started to be called world cup for women mm -hmm. because it used to be a women's world championship and the winner of this event would uh, be would, would get the crown so like technically it was as if uh Kustenyuk got the crown for the second time but now she'll she be it. in the candidates right yeah, now she will make it for candidates. They changed the format. This was the right thing. Now the um the format to to fight for the for the world's crown is the same as uh, for open section, and uh, this is pretty logical. Yeah, that was a good decision, good changes for Fide. But uh, like technically, Alexandra Kostinuk won it first uh, when she was oh, in back in two thousand eight. I think it was also just before like something like seven or eight months after she gave a birth to her child and it was extremely impressive at that time and now once again and she said in her interview like with the age uh, you start to appreciate way more such victories but i guess um, for me what is the most um uh, impressive it's the um it's the the fact that she's up she's so like um multi multitasking yeah multi she, she has so many projects she's the director of the um, content for chascom russia and uh she's also a streamer herself and uh she has uh many many different academies chess uh chess academies uh, by her name and uh She's also a public figure uh, participating at many, many different um, events. And uh, this, this makes her very special compared to, to other players who concentrate on chess only. And 
yeah, for me, someone who um, who is concerned about keeping a balance between sport between sport and other aspirations, this is a, an amazing example of um, of a successful uh, person. Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, and also I think uh, Alexandra Gorachkina, um, who I guess finished second, uh, looks. You know, she didn't manage to win, but she looks poised to be perhaps perhaps the strongest female player in the in the world in a few years if if not soon she recently crossed 2600 and uh i mean i think it was i think that that finals match was was really exhilarating to watch although i think by then you weren't doing commentary anymore because um they, they had moved it to the uh right because there's only like uh one match left or something like that yeah we uh, we stayed until um semifinals yeah and then with uh, the decrease because big at the beginning, there were four different broadcasts on Fide's uh, official YouTube channel. There were two in Russian and two in English. But uh, uh, starting from the semifinals for for women and uh, quarterfinals for men, for open section, yeah, it's better to call it open section because uh, technically women can also participate. Um, they they merged it to two, which was also logical because there were not so many games anymore left. Mm-hmm. Answering your question about uh, Alexandra Gavrashkina, I actually think she's the strongest nowadays. It's, and uh, my colleague uh, Alexandra Shimana was also calling her a clear favorite. But, you know, sometimes uh, chess is a sport, but it's also a game. Sometimes, uh, especially with such format as a knockout, it can be absolutely um, any... Um, it can be absolutely unpredictable and even like it's true that Goreshkina was a favorite, but uh, within this concrete match, she didn't manage to be uh, the strongest. You know, from a, from a spectator's point of view, and also I guess because you've obviously played chess at a very high level, um, I'm wondering what do you think about, you know, Swiss tournaments versus knockout tournaments? Because in my opinion, this, uh, this World Cup, I've, I've been following chess for like three years, I've been playing for about three years. And in my opinion, um, maybe it's also just because of COVID, um, keeping everybody indoors for, for a year. Um, but you hear a lot of rumbles online and people saying classical chess is dead. Um, I think that this, this tournament was maybe the most exciting chess tournament I've ever experienced in my lifetime as a fan. Um, and of course, you know, recently, even this even come off the candidates, which I also thought was exhilarating in terms of the kind of the prep and the games that we saw. So I'm wondering if you could speak about a little bit both as you know a commentator and also as as a player like like what do you prefer as somebody who's a who's a competitor um this kind of knockout format it seems like there's a lot more variance but it's clearly more fun for the fans um whereas the match format or the 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 Swiss format is maybe a bit more stable so I guess what do you prefer um as a player it is of course um way more uh exciting to have the the swiss format it is simply it's not just like it's not actually the question of excitement it's uh, about your nerves and like uh, and the safety that you can get it's like knockout events for players are the worst but for the suspect for the for the um, for the spectators they are the most exciting so uh as a player, I definitely prefer Swiss tournaments. And so, uh, you know, whatever happens like today in the game, you will be here tomorrow and uh, you will like 
even if something bad happens on the board, you you will come back to the next day, you will fight back. But when it comes to um, knockout, one mistake and you're out. And uh, you, you, you arrive to the knockout event, you do not even have your tickets back because you don't know where, when you can, when you will um, actually be able to leave. And uh, uh, every day can be the last one. So it's pretty, um, it's pretty irritating. And uh, in my personal case, uh, this knockout was my first event. And just the idea that every single move was decisive uh, was putting so much pressure on me that I just couldn't show my... Um, um, the the level that I um, was expecting from myself uh, on on this tournament. I'm wondering how do you approach the prep for these kinds of events um, because you don't really know your opponent necessarily um, like you would in a Super Swiss tournament where you know everybody you're preparing for. So does your approach to prep um, change at all, or are you just preparing a little later than you would otherwise? Well, in fact, you actually do know your the name of your opponent. The uh, uh, pairings are are published. They were published three weeks before the event, so you knew you would play this opponent with both black and white. You just didn't know what would be the the sequence, which game would be the first. Though, and this was decided on the opening ceremony when drawing the colors. So in fact, you just approach that like in terms of chess openings preparation, you do the same job that you do in Swiss tournament when you know your opponent. Just you do it like um, three weeks in advance, and you you do it for both colors, and you have the repertoire like the the the, the tree that you built um, versus this or that player, and then you just uh, uh, first you take some time to 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 decide what you're going to play and then it's just about um repassing uh, reviewing all the all the lines but so it's you... definitely a lot of preparation mental wise and especially like the biggest different difference comes when you have the first game result uh, for instance if you lose the first game then your second game you might actually change the um, the repertoire that you prepared just before the game because you might actually need to come up with something more aggressive or on the contrary when you did a uh, when you won the first game like the second one you don't want to to go to some sharp variations but you're preparing like before you knew the sequence of the colors so what in your your match you played against uh, I think Teodora Inyak um, yeah that's great and uh, the, in, you were unfortunately eliminated in round one I'm wondering, uh, I guess, you know, after you were eliminated, so did uh, Fide just kind of approach you in the hall? Did they email you? Because you kind of went from a player to suddenly just being a commentator for the event, um, which is pretty, pretty convenient. But because uh, you didn't get to leave like uh, a lot of others who, you know, who, who came, stayed for a couple of days and, and flew out. Uh, I mean, not that like Sochi to St. Petersburg, I think it's like a three hour flight or something. Um, but I guess like how, how did that, um, organize itself? Yeah, we had some kind of agreement, but, um, it was, uh, first me to, to play, to be a player and then to see, uh, what happens if I ever, um, get knocked out. But, 
I believe it's the quite common case uh, on the World Cups, uh, on the World Cup events. Uh, uh, players uh, sometimes quit and then they, they get invited to, to join the country. Sometimes it can be for short a period, just for one day, sometimes for longer. Uh, but um, yeah, for me, uh, commentating was very different uh, from, from play, being a player. And uh, I actually learned a lot. I learned way more about this system, uh, having been commentating and watching from the side, but also from the inside, not just like, uh, you know, a, a spectacular and you're at home. I was, I was there and I was on the spot. I was, um, I, I had cameras and the players like every single day. And uh, yeah, I think it was very, um, it was, it was an important experience for me to, even as a player to just to see and feel how it goes also working together with um alexander was um was was also a unique opportunity and it was uh pretty important to have his insights on every single match and uh, especially in those moments when the, the games were decisive i mean mostly like the second games right and the tie breaks and uh yeah overall it was uh pretty overwhelming i think it's really interesting that you got a new perspective from the uh from from the belly of the beast almost um because i think a lot of us don't really have a sense of those inner workings i think even me before starting the podcast i didn't really know much about you know the other side of the chess world the production aspect and um you know when you're when you're doing commentary for chess how do you make that exciting for the for the listeners because you know especially when it's classical games like i think sergey uh, he just took like 20 something minutes maybe he, i haven't checked he may still be taking time on his move against uh, against duda um how do you make those moments exciting for for the fans i guess when there are more games it's a bit easier to bounce around but but even still how do you make those uh those moments of silence exciting so, um, yeah, first of all, uh, especially in the beginning, we had a lot of games, right? So, um, like, whenever some were, were starting, uh, were, were into a deep thought, we were, we were, like, focusing on other games. Yeah, there were always some games that we haven't covered in a while, and um, jumping from one game to another was already a lot of excitement. Uh, trying to remember those positions and see what was what has changed ever since. But uh, in general, like being a chess player, like especially like in my case, being a um, competitive chess player, almost uh, um, everything is exciting like naturally. So you do not have to um, to 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 look for that um, action. It is already there. Mm -hmm. You just need to to translate it to a more human language right from like language of chess players high level chess players to like um to the more general audience but um sometimes i don't know sometimes it just moves sometimes some lines but you can always come up with some ideas with some mm, with some general concepts or um patterns for instance you can always find something educational in any position and explain it to to the viewers to make it uh, 
to to make them feel the 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 passion about chess and also especially when it got to um, to sh- like to, to time troubles or uh and not even speaking about tie breaks it was uh there was so much action there and uh you didn't um you didn't even need to um to uh to think like how to 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 make it uh exciting or interesting for viewers but yeah in general it is true that uh, sometimes long games uh you do not see players uh, moving uh for 20 30 minutes but uh if you're a good commentator you always if you're a good chess commentator you will always find uh, something to talk about even the most uh, so to be boring moments how do you uh how do you become a good chess commentator what are the kind of skills that you need well there are there are many skills um well, first thing I uh, I suppose it's the most important uh, is like in everywhere it's a passion, but also like being a commentator is like it's all connected to being a, a speaker, being a uh, a showman, working on TV or communicating with mm-hmm. people. Yeah, it's all about more or less mm-hmm. same things like talking to people. It's uh, it. Demand sometimes it demands some some kind uh, some special features of character sometimes just just passion or or but also of course a lot of experience. Me personally, I've always uh, found uh, I've I've been always looking for um, for some uh, sources of um, if I may call it a, an inspiration from St. Louis commentary. I think uh, their team is one of the most uh, professionals and uh, uh, one can learn a lot from them. But also recently I've been uh, working a lot for, for Chesscom, providing commentaries for big events such as a Women's Beach Chess Championship, uh, Online Olympiad, um, there were corporate championships and uh, many other. And uh, it is also putting you quite well into shape especially with chess.com production where you have this rhythm every time you have like segments where you talk and then you have breaks and uh, you have enough time to to give 20 200 percent of of your capacity and then to take this like pauses to to to, to get back the energy and uh yeah well you were saying um uh, you, you mentioned that some people say like um, long time control um, is um, like the classical games are do not have much future. Yeah, I think you. I disagree, like but I've heard people say that. Yeah, yeah, many people say that, but I uh, personally also dis- disagree. I think it's just that, like, let's say short time control chess or online chess or hybrid chess uh, might just become a, a an independent branch as important. It can get as important or as um, popular as uh, it has already become as popular, especially when we're streaming on, on Twitch and YouTube. But uh, yeah, well, I, am, I have no worry for, for a long time control. And when it comes to commentary, it might be uh, in a way 
sometimes uh, easier to commentate the longer time control because like you you can take your time talking about some things but sometimes like it also it's pretty personal sometimes it may be easier to commentate actually blitz and rapid because uh, you will yeah you don't need to to seek for that like um that like as action like there is one action after another and you just need to catch the breath and uh to go on and i think uh you also as a as a commentator certainly had some experience from from streaming um because you've been streaming over the especially over the last year um and just just for the listeners i just want to uh to share some statistics um so uh dina's account was made on february 16th 2019 on April 7th, you had 31 followers. You averaged seven viewers on your stream. Um, as of today, you have 13,000 followers. You've gained 3,000 followers in the last month. Um, you're approaching 1,000 total hours of broadcasting. And you have a uh, very nice, uh, about 400 to 500 average viewers. You peaked with 6,000 viewers. Um, so your your account's really grown. And you, you stream with your sister. Um, Dina and her sister stream at um, Twitch. Their account is the Bell and Kaya. Um, it's like Dina's last name. Um, so first of all, why did you guys? Uh, why did you decide to start streaming? Well, uh, it's um, yeah, it was an um, interesting time. Um, the the just the beginning of the worldwide lockdown and uh, all the tournament got canceled and as um, many other professional chess players I was sitting home and uh, um, trying to make some more um, trying to find some clearness in my calendar which started uh, uh, which which like started having more and more gaps right with uh, all the events being canceled and then, um, and then, yeah, it was a very, very simple story. Well, of course, I have been following before already, like other streamers, like for instance, uh, uh, Chess Queen Alexandra Kostinuk. Uh, I was, uh, I was following her her streams uh, back at that time already, and um, uh, some some friends of mine were doing. Um, some streaming on Russian YouTube and uh, I already, yeah, I was already familiar with this, um, uh, with this world little bit, but I obviously did not have any idea of me getting into it until, um, yeah, it was actually Alexander Botes who organized that uh, tournament called uh, the Isolated Queens. And I think the first one, first edition was in the end of March. And then she did another one in um, in beginning of April. But uh, yeah, and that's, that tournament, the end of March, was actually a Swiss uh, tournament, uh, blitz tournament uh, on chess.com open to all female players with prizes only for those who stream. And that was for me like... Um, um that i don't know i i can i think i can say that that thing actually changed uh, my life in a way because yeah. uh i i looked at it and I, and I told myself okay i want to do it i can do it how can i do it okay internet okay computer like 
uh, at that time, my my PC, my my laptop. Well, I had a laptop as all um, chess players could not produce any any streams, and uh, I had only five G or four G on my phone. So I um, I uh, did not manage to get all these uh, top like this this top news for streaming um, on that day, but I uh, I participated still and um, uh, and watched the the broadcast uh, of the event as well. But I yeah I it it made me like you know those um, those like things in life that you have been thinking about something but you you never you you never had neither courage nor even a um um yeah I know like what you mean. the push no right. push to to give it a try and then this uh this isolated queens for me was like a a push very very big push and like with a kick of the of the, um like yeah, that you kick you can give to someone uh, so that he uh, he starts finally doing something he has been hesitating for so long. And for me, I wasn't even really hesitating. I was just I didn't think about it at all. And here it was like like this. I, wow, I why not? Yeah, I mean it's 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 crazy. It's also like you really have had like a, like a basically a meteoric rise um, on Twitch. Um, already probably one of the more popular chess streams and certainly you can only go up from here um at, at what point did you kind of realize like wait a minute like this this thing can really work out for me yeah so i think uh starting from after that tournament yeah i started actually following more and more other streamers as well as uh chess.com um team and i uh i signed a uh an agreement with chess.com on the fourth, I think it was the fourth of April. I signed an agreement and then I started streaming for chess.com and uh, yeah, I got uh, familiar with the team and uh, things uh, started uh, working. Um, um, like everything started like improving day by day. And then I saw that there were like, I think it's also like this way, like when you you see the result, yeah. It's mm -hmm. like imagine you're you're playing chess and your um your rating, you're playing in rated events and your rating grows every single time that you play a game. Sometimes slower, sometimes faster, but every single time when you when you play a a chess game, you your rating gets higher. And um this is uh this is really this this is one of the driving forces i think that's as long as like you do it there is uh you can see the, the success you can see the the achievements and um yeah i also i started little by little i started um collaborating with other streamers this is one of the things that actually um makes you grow the the biggest mm -hmm. well-known uh fact i believe and uh yeah it, it all um it all started um like this and uh and then in like same for my sister when with the lockdown she she was working from remote and she had more time and she started um 
watching me first. So all that's like April, May, and June. But I was, uh, um, when I was starting the channel, she was, uh, she was actually first the first time of her, for her, um, in in her life, she was watching chess uh, streams, and then uh, somewhere I think in july she she came over to me on the channel as a as a guest and she liked it and uh people liked her and uh started to to ask like when would she come back and started to encourage her to um, to come by more and more often and then uh somehow we we realized that we were we were stronger together yeah, I mean, I have I have three siblings, and uh, definitely we're all stronger together. That's what family's for. Um, yeah, it's it's really nice. You know, um, were you uh, were you surprised by by the you know the recent? I mean, your your social media is kind of blown up on all your. I mean, because I I really I I actually only like really found, discovered your your Twitch. Um, like I said, you can follow um, at the Belenkaya on Twitch and subscribe. Um, but I only I only really found you from that that Eric Rosen video the uh, and you know she didn't know what the Stafford Gambit uh, you know that that one um, that was from like about two weeks ago and uh, yeah I've actually I've watched a couple of your streams I think they're they're really they're really fun um, but your your sister it seems like she's uh, did she did she play chess when she was younger with you well like all the russians my sister had some basic knowledge of chess and she certainly did um play some games already before she knew the rules and all mm -hmm. but she has never um been training at all so she was a total beginner she is still a beginner but uh yeah with uh streaming chess she has uh has improved a lot and she like every single time when she streams, she also tries to improve. And for people who watch us, it is actually um, pretty nice because uh, like most of the viewers, I believe, have the average reading more or less same like uh, Asya does. And uh, uh, they might be a little bit stronger, but still like when I stream, I, um, I uh, certainly explain less things when I commentate, for instance. So... Um, uh, especially when I stream, when I play the games and when I stream them, I um, I focus mostly on on the performance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, people who who are trying to understand why I do this or those moves can be a little bit confusing. While um, uh, with with my sister, they can find that that balance between. Uh, like extremely high level and the the general level open for everyone. I want to um, I want to talk a little bit about about your your chess career because uh, you know when we organized the podcast, you did tell me first of all you'll be playing in uh, you'll be playing in the, the European Championship next week. Yeah, yeah, um, travel on Sunday. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, are you are you so how, what's it been like you know after a year of uh lockdown to be coming back over the board um to play these these classical games um it's it's been great it's been absolutely great but uh for me as a russian player uh we didn't have such a long 
lockdown like I think in 2020 I played something like um yeah like in October and November no September October and November 2020 I played three tournaments the classical tournaments in a row and uh the break I think the break was something like maybe six months not more and um well it's it's different it's definitely different from online chess but I cannot say that I uh like for me, the there was such a big struggle or wait was so long. It was I think it was also beneficial for me to to take um some rest and to 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 spend more time to uh analyze my games than to just um jump from one tournament and to another without uh um without any without having enough time to to take some rest. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I was I was not very uh, familiar with the, uh, you know, the Russian, uh, the the Russian lockdown situation. Although I saw you recently, you got vaccinated. Uh, you know, there's actually if you get vaccinated, you like increase your elo by like three hundred points. Um, um, yeah, little, people say so. Yeah, little little fun fact. So uh, if you yeah, guys get the get the vaccine if you want to uh, if you want to improve your. Uh, your, your elo um yeah you've you've played in uh you've played in the russian team championship a bunch of times uh you've played in uh the chigrin memorial you've played in uh gibraltar masters you've played in the european club cup so you've you've played uh like uh you play in a lot of tournaments um you uh i think you won the uh the the saint petersburg chess championship i remember reading yeah uh, I, I won it four times wow uh you know, I, I haven't, you're the first, like, uh, I had, I had one person on my podcast, uh, GM Eugene Perlstein, who, um, he was born, uh, in the former USSR in Ukraine and he came to America, like in the early nineties, but you know, you're, you're born and raised Russian. Actually, like my mom is former Soviet as well. Um, I'm kind of a little curious, like, like, uh, what was, uh, like, I guess, what was it like growing up in the like in the shadow of the the Soviet system and like studying chess that way, because I think like for a lot of Americans, which is like most of my listeners, um, we don't really have that kind of like regimented chess study that, that happens in Russia. Like you mentioned that, you know, everybody in Russia kind of learns the rules of chess. Like that doesn't really happen in America. So like, you know, when you were exposed to chess, like, first of all, like what, what drew, like, why were you so drawn to it? And then also like, I guess I'm just curious, like, like what that's like, like growing up in like a more like regimented, like chess culture. Yeah. Well, um, chess is basically everywhere and every single like taxi driver yeah, knows how to play chess. Um, in my case, uh, I, uh, was, uh, I was raised by my mother who is uh, a chess coach, uh, and, um, uh, at the age of three already, she, she taught me how to play, and uh, I started participating in the in the various competitions when I was already five. So basically, even like when my mom didn't have um, um, like she she didn't have she didn't know like uh, who to to leave me with, she would always take me with her on her job, and her job was 
teaching other kids playing chess so I was I was always in this um, mm-hmm. society and like even every summer we were spending in the in the chess like training summer camps uh, uh, yes chess was just a part of our of my life as always uh, always and um, when I was a kid and uh, uh, as I was growing up as a teenager I started training um very regularly and um, my efforts started being rewarded with uh, many many titles on the national level but uh, then I actually understood that chess was not just um, a passion for me or sport but it was also a kind of a springboard if I can say so to achieve my my various dreams and um yeah well i was i was educated um in a, like the traditional way as you say a traditional russian way which unfortunately despite its um rich uh, culture pushes women to make the the way for men oh yeah so um i also i also felt uh, quite uh, quickly that uh the world of women, of women's chess, of women in chess had this kind of patriarchal heritage, um, which, um, you know, in addition to separating female players from the male players uh, in the ranking, um, still kept uh, this kind of good share for the men's competitions in terms of prizes and in terms of exposure. So... uh, uh, being competitive by by nature, um, I and somehow decided to put myself uh, um, this new goal to to show that that women are indeed equal to men, and uh, I um, I hope to use a chess sport as a weapon, and um. um with all my background, chess background, and uh, uh, all this um, amazing experience that I have, I have gathered uh, through my compet- um, from my from the years of competition, uh, these days I also want to um, to um, you know to combine the life of a high level athlete with a life of so to be a modern woman. Mm-hmm. I was actually, um, you know, this is something I, I, I did, I did actually want to ask earlier, but I'm, I'm glad we kind of got there because, you know, obviously you, you mentioned before, and I wasn't really sure how to say it either about, um, you know, open section versus women's section um, in the World Cup even. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of talk. I, there's an article in the in the New Yorker that, that kind of made made rounds on on Twitter about who uh, you fun and uh, like what she's been up to and kind of, you know, like the world search for like the first uh, female like world champion um, of, of everyone. And uh, of course, like, of course, like women and men are, are, are equal. But when it comes to opportunities, and you said this yourself, even, um, even in Russia, I mean, it's like this in America, too. But even in Russia, there's this like, uh, you know, like, like you said, um, you know, making making way for the men. Um, what, what, what would you like to see from the chess world in terms of, you know, maybe more opportunities for women, or like, um, a lot like getting women to play at the higher level? 
Well, um, when it comes to, to the question of titles, for instance, uh, uh, should we keep the titles for men and women or should we not? Mm, I believe that from now on, it is important to, to have this um, women section because it actually encourages women mm. to, um, to continue the life of a professional chess player and being able to, uh, to be able to have a proper salary yeah, from, from what they're doing as a job, being a professional athlete, professional chess players. It is still important to keep the, the, the possibility to, to play among women only. Mm-hmm but also having those great opportunities to participate in together with men in the same tournaments. Um, like for instance, in Gibraltar, Gibraltar is known to be the home of women chess, not for nothing. It's because they, they give a lot of invitations for, um, for women. And uh, sometimes women chess players get mm, in a way better conditions than, than, than like tw- top grandmasters on 2600 or something. And this is the way how Gibraltar supports women chess. And uh, um, so, yeah, I think that the world is not ready yet for, for, for combining the two categories. And I do not think that having the two different uh, segregates in the way women, but I do think that uh, the prizes need to be, um, need to be, put higher yeah to need to be increased for for women to, for women tournaments uh, mm-hmm. and as well as for like if we have uh, open tournaments with w- prizes for women they also need to be higher because um th- this is how like you could show the support to uh, um this is how you could encourage more and more young women young girls to um, to choose like or, or to to continue to compete, to choose the like, for instance, chess career to any other that they could get. This is a very uh, deep topic, and um, um, not so sure we yeah we right. we can cover most of it, but um, um well, you, you know, I think it also helps that um, you know, today on Twitch you have like. Uh, you know, amazing, amazing streamers like like uh, AK Nemsko and, and the Botez sisters and and you and and Jesse February like really who are basically more prominent than ever. I mean, when, even when I started watching chess streams, it was basically like Hikaru, sometimes Eric Rosen. This is like in twenty late twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen. I don't remember exactly. And now you really have like such a like a, a diverse cast of characters you can watch. I think that 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 can only help empower like the next generation. Yeah, definitely. And uh, what I'm trying to show uh, on my Twitch streams is, yeah, basically the same that I um, that I do with, with my chess is that um, once again, I want to uh, use my image to, to promote uh, women chess and to encourage more and more girls to, to get into, into chess. And um, for me, it is a, an important goal. It's, it's my personal goal. And uh, I I do think that with a bigger exposure, it could actually influence a lot. And uh, when it comes to Boda sisters and uh, and uh, Akonemsko, they are doing a fantastic job, and uh, they influence so many um, 
girls and women to 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 play chess to to start learning chess to come into chess well of course unfortunately um most of the twitch audience uh, is uh, male but i still think that this is also the way how to educate um them uh, and show them that uh, women can actually be um be women are actually able to beat men and um i myself uh, once beat it uh, a english champion luke mcshane and uh um someone who i would never be able to beat normally but i still managed to so this also proves that uh that we are very much capable of it. It's just the the problem for women chess. It's that um, like as in any field, in business or any other category or science and politics, it's just that we do not have enough representatives. Like even historically, we don't have enough women who were uh, familiar or introduced to this category. So it's only by creating more and more role model m- models that we can actually. Uh, decrease this uh, this gap and this this difference between the the genders and this is of course what we are all um, female streamers do on Twitch with when it comes to chess and this is also what um, Alexandra Kostinik does herself when she's streaming from uh, for for the Chess Queen channel which is also a very very big channel and extremely influential right. as well and I'd also be remiss uh, if I forgot uh, Anna Rudolph who's made, I think, the the biggest uh, female streamer for chess on Twitch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, guys, if, you, if you're looking for some so to support some female streamers, obviously, Dina and her sister, their channel um, is amazing. And also, Anna Rudolph, aka Nemsko, Botez Live, uh, Hashtag Chess, Chess Queen, um, Photo Chess, Maria Emilianova. Um, so there, there, are, there are a lot of good channels out there. There's, uh, there's something for everybody and I like uh, you know I think I think it is really important um, to, to help like your channel grow and other channels to grow to, to, to continue sharing this message I think I think it, I really think it's it's very important and um, I, I'm curious like what what did you uh, what did you think about uh, did you watch uh, the Queen's Gambit because I know in, in kind of my circle a lot of my friends who didn't play chess especially like a, a lot of uh, a lot of women like in my life uh they took a they took an interest in it and even like you know some of them will just play chess on their phone now which i think is really cool yeah queen's gambit has uh made an amazing imp- a, like an uncountable i don't know unmeasurable impact on on all the fields of of chess like chess uh, when it comes to bringing more sponsors when it comes to to streamers when it comes to players when it comes to uh, like to Fide, as as I said in the beginning, Fide bringing more sponsors. When it comes to to um, to um, chess coaches who give lessons, it's just has it's just Queen's Gambit made chess um, as a first trend, and this is of course something that we are we all people from the chess um, community uh, we're all thankful for. Um, you know, so. Two more things I wanna wanna talk about here. Uh, first of all, you know, looking through your um, some of your games um, in the database, uh, your your top three openings on on chess uh, chessgames.com are the exact ones that I play. You play the Karo Khan against uh, e4. You play the Queen's Gambit accepted against d4. 
and against the English, you play e5. I mean, if you look at my games online, I play the same thing. So, um, you know, I think that's that's pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, before we continue talking about openings, I just wanted to want to make a note about that. I think that's really funny. Um, like literally, yeah. literally, like my repertoire. Um, and I will ask about you about that in a sec. But um, I guess I, I do. While we're on the topic about your career and and stuff like that, um, what are some of your your more like long-term goals maybe a year from now two years from now in terms of your chess career maybe as a streamer as a as a player as a commentator like uh just as all those things like you said you're you'll be playing in the european championship next week um so like what what are some of those goals are you like thinking more about in terms of ratings and norms now or are you just mostly trying to um like go for other other goals well there are there are long-term girls goals that are short-term goals right. um as a, as a short-term goals, I, I just finished uh, the World Cup 2021. So my next goal will be, of course, uh, to the, the shortest goal that I have is uh, within the European Championship that starts uh, uh, the next week. And I obviously want to qualify to the next uh, World Cup, this will be, um, yeah, this will be happening during the European Championship that mm -hmm. you fight for the places and um uh when it comes to to chess in general um in addition to promoting the place the place of women in chess of so through my personal sport performances i uh um as i said i am very much involved in different tournaments that seek to put um female players on the spotlight and um uh, for me, this is always going to be my goal. Um, I'm also um, eager to prepare my professional future. So I combine my experience as a high-level sportsman or sportswoman, as you call it, uh, together with my like language skills, uh, providing commentary for different uh, international events, as, uh, um, as you have been... Um, following me on the FIDA World Cup and uh, and others. So I always seek for diversifying my professional activities, but um, um, yeah, well, um, um, when it comes to my ambitions, they, they are, they're always more or less the same. I want, I want to be in a chess atmosphere. Uh, I want to work on chess and I, um, want to see how far I can go because I uh, I started um, rising pretty late. I was, um, as they say, I was a late bloomer and mm -hmm. uh, I still have uh, motivation and I, uh, I have, I'm, I have some, um, I have a, a lot of passion, but also, um, um, I'm hungry for, for more. And, uh, I just want to, to play and, uh, to see, uh, um, how far I can go. Now, when it comes to like, you know, working in chess and the chess atmosphere, you know, we, of course we talked about kind of like, you know, sexism in chess. Are there opportunities at the, you know, the, I'm not talking about the highest level in terms of ELO. I'm talking about like the highest level in terms of like administration, like sport administration. Are there opportunities um, 
for women? Um, or do you think that that kind of culture has seeped its way to the top? Yeah, um, actually, uh, FIDE has been has made a great uh, progress here as well. There have been way more uh, posts in uh, in in FIDE, for instance, in also European Chess Union, and uh, in in other different um, fields. We have uh, I believe we have FIDE Vice President uh, Dana Reisens Ozola, one Grandmaster from Latvia, who also managed, happens to be, by the way, the happens to be a minister of uh, finance of Latvia. Uh, we also have um, Anastasia Sorokin, as far as I remember, from also in one of the, uh, um, as, as a member of FIDE um, office, of, who is uh, from, from Belarus. And um, there is um, Eva Ryabkova. Uh, I think she's from, Wunger Master from, She's from Slovakia, woman grandmaster, and she. Um, so uh, we have we have more and more uh, rules for women, but we also have women arbiters as well. We have. Uh, um, there was this Iranian arbiter who um, who even. Um, yeah, who who made a history in a way? Yes, uh, showing the whole um, Iranian, uh, inspiring the whole Iranian women community to um, that there is um, there is the there is the freedom somewhere. Um, in a way, yeah, I think it was a great uh, uh, gesture of yours. Uh, unfortunately, she cannot come back to her country anymore i think she is now situated in uk mm. um wow and uh yeah well if you're not familiar with the story she she was um her name is byrat i believe i believe and she was uh she had this accident with uh the um with the tissue covering her your hair when she was uh, the arbiter at the Women's World uh, Championship match between Alexander Grashkin and uh, Juvin Jun and, uh, and the Federation. Um, uh, accused her of not wearing the, not covering her hair, which was uh, actually false, but it looked like at the photo. And then Shohre, uh, um, I think her name is Shohre Bayat, and then uh, she um couldn't return home anymore because she would be prosecuted wow and uh there are there are many other arbiters even in in the world cup we had female uh, arbiters we had also we have also very uh play fair play commission for fide who was uh yeah consisted of two women uh on this spot in sochi they're still there i believe I think also in uh, in um, they just had the the Beal uh, like the Rapid Classic Blitz. Yeah, this this arbiter is also yeah, yeah. I I cannot recall her name, but she's uh, she's from uh, Eastern Europe I believe or Central Europe and um, uh, yeah. So ma many we have way more uh, officials and mm, arbiters and many other posts. Uh, 
in Fiji, who for for women, this is also a great, great, great achievement so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, and I think uh, my listeners and I will be uh, will be following your your career very closely, and uh, I certainly will continue to be watching your streams. Um, you know, um, typically how I end off the show, uh, longtime listeners know, even though I've kind of I've been working on revamping the podcast a little bit, but uh, typically I, I ask all my my guests the the same uh, the same question. You know, this is why I mentioned your opening repertoire before. Sing, sing uh, identical repertoire to mine, even though I'm I'm much much worse than you. Um, I always ask this question. So, if you had to like teach one opening to anybody, uh, all skill levels, what what would that opening be and why? Uh, it would be Karvakan, of course. Yes. yes. First Karvakan on the podcast. Yes, Karvakan, the one and only. My favorite opening, the opening of all time. It can be both sharp and mm, and positional, dynamic, and uh, and static, and um, can be as you can overplay someone in in a pretty uh, silent way, and you can kill uh, someone <laughs> very fast. It combines everything, and uh, um, there are many different structures that. Um, can be uh, that can come out of it and uh um yeah Karakan. yeah there you go you heard it here first that's uh you know we i think this is uh like the 16th or 17th episode and uh and uh it's one of those but it, but that, you know it took this long to get a Karakan, and i'm i'm so grateful that that uh that we we got it on the show because it's my favorite opening as well i recommend it to to everybody um actually typically like with my friends before showing them the Karakan, i'll show them the scandinavian first to give them the whole idea of the setup and then show them the setup you know the e6 c6 um but yeah i mean it's uh it's a wonderful opening i like i've improved so much since i picked it up and it's uh it's also my favorite opening and uh and i'm glad uh you know great minds think alike it's pretty yeah. good actually scandinavian Karakan can pretty much the same uh uh same position afterwards because it could be the same pawn structure i mean if you take the this the the d5 pawn with the queen then could get to you to and to the same structure with right. bishop on f5 is six and c6 and that's why i also sometimes play scandinavian because the the position that we get the structures they can be pretty much similar to karakan yeah that's actually i i, I started by playing the um i started by playing the, the scandinavian because I was watching, uh, you know, John Bartholomew's videos and uh, on on YouTube, and and he he loves the Scandinavian. So I bought the chessboard course, and I started playing it, and I I got like some success with it. And then uh, when I got I got a coach last July, uh, and he was like, "Why are you playing the Scandinavian? You could just play the Karakan." I then said, "I don't want to play the Karakan," and then he said, "Suit yourself." Uh, <laughs> about two weeks later, I started playing the Karakan, and I haven't looked back. I've I've never stuck with the opening for this long, and it's something I think I'm going to play probably for the rest of my life. So. Um, you know, I've learned other things, of course, you got to stay a bit flexible, um, a bit versatile, but, but it's, it's just like you said, I mean, you can really play it any way you want. And, uh, I think that's what makes it so fun to play. It's an approved French as well, in a way, because you had get more or less same structure, but with a good bishop and you don't have any bad pieces. And you also, it's not that boring as for instance, uh, the pattern of, uh, defense. It's not that nerd. I would say as um, 
as a rule opus. Yeah. Yeah, so that's you can, true. You can at the same time uh, enjoy, create, and also play in um in a correct way without getting too much uh, like excited and uh, ruining everything. Well, yeah, I guess on on that note, I think uh, I think we'll we'll wrap up the podcast there. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I want to also thank the listeners for listening to another episode of uh, sixty four, a chess podcast. Um, I want to thank Aim Chess for sponsoring the podcast. As usual, you can use my code David30 to get 30% off your first month with Aim Chess and start improving your chess um, with advanced analytics. Uh, and I also want to thank uh, everybody for listening once again and uh, invite you all to check out the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash 64 podcast. Um, I'm going to be doing some more work on that end. So if you want to support the channel, you like what you heard, uh, please support us there. Um, and, uh, you know, you can follow Dina on Twitter, Instagram. It's, uh, it's just her name, Dina Belenkaya. Um, on Twitch, uh, it's at the Belenkaya. Uh, it's a really fun stream. Asya's streams, I think, are more suited for, for you know, not, I wouldn't say maybe necessarily beginners, but, but uh, you know, players who are improving. And then uh, I think you, you stream more high-level stuff. Um, but it's a, it's a great stream either way. I think your sister was streaming League of Legends yesterday too. So that was pretty cool um, a couple hours ago. So, you know, a little variety there. Uh, yeah, but that, that's it. I, this is, uh, you know, support the, support the stream, uh, support more women in chess. And uh, once again, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, David. That was a pleasure.